welcome to episode 104 of the Customer Support Leaders podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. This week we have another fireside episode and this time I talk to Simone Secchi. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast today, Simone Secchi. Simone, it is lovely to have you back. And this week you are joining me for a fireside. And while our listeners can't see this video call that we're recording this conversation on, you are in fact sitting by a very wonderful and welcoming, but albeit virtual background of a fireside. So thank you for bringing a fireside to this conversation. And, uh, and also you're bringing the topic as well. What would you like to talk about today? So I thought that um, I will bring up a topic that uh, has been at the center of my projects and, uh, and the roadmap of uh, the support team um, for Doodle in the, in the last, I would say, six months, which is support data. And so um, I wanted to give an overview of like all the different aspects of uh, support data and how they can come in uh, handy, like to have difficult conversations and uh, how can they be shared and how can they help you plan out different aspects of uh, a support team and different aspects uh, or different operational aspects of a support team? That's awesome. Um, I know we've talked a number of times and you've been on quite a journey with data, haven't you? And it can mean quite a lot of things as a as a as a topic, it's a broad one. I mean, we could be talking everything from setting up your dashboards and figuring out what you can measure to, to ultimately completely at the other end of that scale, um, what you do with that data and who you talk to about that data. So I'm looking forward to this one. I know these are all, all aspects of that journey are things that support leaders find challenging in, yeah. in multitudes of ways. So I'm looking forward to seeing where you take us with this one. Yeah. So um, I think not to scare anyone off, but one of the main things I think that you have to set yourself up for when you approach data uh, in, in support and, and from any point of view is, is learning that so you're going to have along this path. Like I started approaching data in, in leadership role back in 2014 when I was commissioned my first KPIs report and first with highlights and then I started to bring like a very simple KPIs so like ticket solved and uh, you know uh, first response time and Things that were easy to find, and, and I think back then I was using Zendesk um, Insights um, with good data. That was like my first approach. It took me a very long time, I gotta say, to familiarize with the, the specific language that the, the product used, which was for whoever remembers that, if you used that in the past, it was like a sort of like a, a, a customized version of SQL. Um, which wasn't immediate uh, if you weren't familiar with the programming languages or, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't a technical person per se. Um, and then, you know, slowly it, it took me to approach data, not just within, uh, you know, an help center or uh, support, uh, support data, but just starting to look at data from the point of view also of, um, looking at company um, data outside of support and see how related to to support data, for example, to understand the return of investment of support, understanding the impact of support on um, 
the annual revenue or monthly revenue. So there is a number of things to understand the connection between, you know, what you're doing and what impact it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they can be accidental discoveries or they, it, it can be a very, um, very like voluntary path where like you, right. you get somewhere do, that so you do wanted you think- to get to. Sorry. So, so do you think you need to know where you're going before you start measuring, or is it a matter of figuring out what you can measure and finding conclusions to draw, or somewhere between the two? I think you, you yeah, you need to, you need to understand where you want to go, so what you need and why. And then I think that a data scientist would say that the the, the problem would be to figure out what the data model is to get those results. So to to what like a, a technical term I became familiar with recently, you have structured data and you have unstructured data. So structured data is anything that can come in a CSP form, for example, it's already tabular. And then you have unstructured data that can simplest example is text. So you have conversations. And and you you have to understand what do I do with like unstructured conversation, right? Because this is a problem, I think that the um if you're not familiar, you're not a data scientist, you you're just became a team lead and you have all these conversations and you know there's a customer sentiment or something that is happening, there's a bug or something, and you want to track it. Um, so one very common you know, mistake you make in the beginning is just reporting the sentiment. I've seen that there is an issue and I've seen more or less this many tickets. If you go with that type of attitude towards your leadership, it doesn't mean anything to them. You know, it's an opinion. If you pack that with like concrete data, especially, and I, and I found this, you know, uh, in this case, like appearances matter, like well presented and visual and easy to digest the visualization mm-hmm. of data that makes all the difference in the world. They buy into it and mm-hmm. you, you have the, you know, you have the attention of the room at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is just, dressing up your data in a way that makes it seem well-founded and therefore more trustworthy, actually, than just a few numbers on the back of an envelope kind of thing, right? Absolutely. But also the, the fact that it's like you have to always think, how can I present this data so that it can be understood if somebody doesn't have the context that I have, right? Yeah. So nomenclature that you use in support, like text that you use, categories that you use, how can you explain them? visually without having to give like a lot of context putting a lot of notes you know making it like really mm. how can you do that yeah yeah it's more than just the colors of the graphs you use it's actually yes. like, like sometimes the difference between the type of charts and that kind of thing can make quite a difference in in providing that context that you're talking about because we might understand yeah. quite naturally you know a, a a line kind of trend or something over time because we have the whole context that's built into we have the whole backstory of say what a, a handle time means and how yeah. the, and how the different types of work that our team do affect that handle time and all the other interconnecting pieces that that kind of bubble up around that handle time in terms of other data points or other activities but if yeah. that's all you present if you just give that line chart <laughs> to someone in the organization it could be pretty meaningless, right? Yeah, it, it, it could be not enough. You know, there's always you have to consider what are the follow-up questions, and you know, obviously, for everyone, uh, you start with some incomplete data, and, and you hear some follow-up questions, and then you learn. 
like, okay, when I presented the data that way, that, that was missing and I didn't really reach the goal that I wanted to reach. And like, I didn't really communicate what was clear in my mind. And then you, you go by trial and error and you perfect that um, going forward. Um, so to quote some, you know, uh, concrete examples, I would say, of, of what of the uses that you can have in data. We can break it down um, in, uh, in support in, in, in a few aspects. Like we can say that some, what we really uh, care about is performance data. Then we have self-service data about like all our self-service initiatives and help center. Um, if you have, um, if you're using AI, for example, like understanding the impact of that on, on reducing costs on, on, on um, the team, the stress that you put on the team. Um, and, um, you know, then you also have like uh, quantitative data in terms of like uh, forecasting, for example. So, you know, in, the, in that sense, you, you start with everything, I would say, pretty much from tagging, from categorization. Categorization is like the first thing that you have to, to uh, try to nail, which is, you know, understanding, okay, what categories, so what, what principles guide the categorization that you want to make? So I would say uh, three main things. Understanding uh, the impact on reducing the cost for the organization, understanding the impact of a, of a change in the organization, product change, for example, like you have feature request or you have feedback, negative, positive, um, marketing campaign, once again, feedback, negative, positive. And, um, you know, um, so this, this, this part, I would say, um, is, is very important, but as well, um, understanding your, your performance. So, these three things, uh, one is internal, two are external, if you will, um, start all with the categorization. The right categorization will set you up for successful gathering of, of data. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, practically how I translate that into my categories that I might set up. So are, are you saying, I mean, obviously this is going to vary significantly from organization to organization, but yeah, absolutely. But, but, but are you saying that in your experience, you need a very limited number of categories because you really, uh, the, the model you use is, is to just try and capture in the categories, the influence of that ticket on one of those three areas? Right. So those are the guiding principles, right? They all come from understanding the customer experience. So you have, you know, understanding customer experience to uh, do, to improve the products, understand the customer experience to reduce the cost, understand the customer experience to improve the quality and consistency of your support interactions. From there, you generate your, your large buckets of data, right? For categorization, like what type of issues you deal with. For example, it can be very general things, like, and they can be common to all support organizations, no matter what you do. It can be e-commerce, it can be uh, social media, it can be a SaaS company, but you will always have bugs, you will always have feature requests uh, or, or feedback, even more general. Um, you know, if you have social media, you have those categories. It can be social media, 
your your big bucket like uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, or it can be broken down by specific uh, social media. It doesn't matter. Like you know, uh, these messages will come in. Most companies have this this uh, external channels, right? And they you will categorize them like that. Um, you have mobile apps, so that will be another category. It can be mobile apps, or it can be broken down by type of mobile. It can be Android and iOS. So this type, for example, like five. There's five buckets, no matter what team you will go, you will have this category. Then you will go more granular and start using tags to characterize, for example, ephemeral events, like an outage. Um, you want to be able to track it or you want to be able to track a specific type of uh, critical issue over time, mm. uh, figure out the trend line. So if an issue is an it could happen in some organization that maybe there's an issue that's overlooked a little bit. Mm. And you want to prove that there is an impact for that issue. You want to make sure that you have that specific tag, you track that over time, and then you go, for example, go and measure that against um, trial conversion. So let's say that this issue affects user. You could see how many users um, on a trial, if you are a test company, for example, are affected by this this issue, and how many then churn? So churn metrics that you can get from, you know, your data scientists, or you can get yourself if you have tools like I don't know, Charmogul or uh, whatever you uh, you know, Gainsights, mm-hmm. uh, tools of customer success, you know, or, or other tools, and your uh, support data in your app center, uh, sorry, in your app center, in your uh, app desk, uh, you can put those like side by side or compute those together in an external tool it can be as easy as like Google Spreadsheet and, and figure out what the relationship is. For example, it gives you very interesting data that you uh, can present to your, uh, you know, to your leaders and say, hey, I can, you can clearly see there's an impact and a correspondence between these two. Yeah, I like that, actually, that um, if you're using those guiding principles for your categories and then really using tags to identify particular issues or activities or like in the in terms of, say, like the reducing cost guiding principle, for instance, maybe um, impacts on cost or, or, or impacts on efficiency in the team, um, yeah. that um, it's very easy to draw those lines isn't it because i think i think one thing that is pretty common in my experience is when people set up their new zen desk or or any help desk they think right what are the things we do let's just categorize and tag the things we do so we'll tag the types of work and we might tag some bit or, or, or we'll categorize the types of work. So they might categorize, categorize by feature or they might categorize by, um, you know, particular activity that their team does, like, uh, you know, support a customer through a particular, you know, a particular type, issue type or something. But, but doesn't, nec- but we, but we throw all of that in there, <laughs> all of those categories and tags, because we think that, oh, and also there's, it's often not clear what the distinction is between those two levels as well, between categories and tags. So quite often you get end up with a mishmash of activities in categories and then a mishmash of, you know, what perhaps really are bigger, bigger types of data in tags. Right. Yeah. What, what, you know, what works is like what the, the old, uh, 
the most effective system for for filing you know as as you know, we can learn from our uh, old like office habits so what's su successful filing is is in a tree structure and this is exactly the same thing you have guiding principle your categories and your tags everything it's like you know uh, in in this tree structure right um, if your ephemeral tags and your in your and your large categories are the same thing, it gets very confusing. Like you you have large categories that have four tickets a month. That's not really useful. You know, like you want to understand the big picture, and then you want to un to understand the individual events. So I I'll mention a very simple uh, thing that you can do. Um, very interesting piece of data is. Um, understanding your CSAT by large issues. So, what um, in in what issue are what is the customer sentiment for each category that you have? So you have large categories. You let's say you have different features or different on different product. Um, which one is creating the most negative sentiment? To understand uh, where to act. And for example, if you're tracking from a project management perspective box that you're filing in Jira. Um, you could see how many tickets per bug, how many tickets per, um, uh, sorry, how many bugs per category that is used in your project management system, Jira, for example, um, for engineering. So those categories are most likely different from the ones you use in support, right? So understanding that data, and then that gives you you know, a, a new picture um, that like is external from, from the data that you have, but you can compare the two and then you see a correspondence within, we filed this many bugs, people are very upset because this is broken, you know? And you right there, you have the correspondence, like of the impact, there's an, uh, you know, you're not, if you want to push your engineering team to fix it, or your product team to push the engineering team to fix something, you can back it up with this customer sentiment. You have to be able to quantify it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned at the start of this, this data journey, let's assume we're in Nirvana and we have our categories and our tags sorted. We've got those nailed, never need to touch them again. We're building data from that. We're built, you know, we're figuring out what, um, what data points we can extract from that. And I guess the next question I want to ask you is, Oh, you've touched on some of them there about the relationship between issues in certain buckets and how they relate to bugs, for instance. I would like to I would like to ask you to expand on like some other interesting data points that you might have particular experience with or a love for. Um, uh, but but then let's let's go on the rest of that journey that we talked about at the start of of this conversation, which is like then how you have conversations about that data. Yeah. So. One something that is particularly interest, uh, interesting for me is, is because we particularly put a lot of attention on our knowledge base. We have a knowledge base manager that, you know, uh, is the, uh, as a digital role, uh, writes the FAQs, uh, writes our internal uh, knowledge uh, base for for the team and for the external teams in in, in the in the company. Um, one thing that was interesting to me in understanding. Uh, the, the what they call the deflection statistics. So you have in most um, you know tests that I use, you have some basic like up center data, 
visualization, sometimes you have votes on articles, but it's really hard to have a clear picture of customer sentiment from those, uh, you know, those uh, survey system that you put in place, because it's hard to understand like the path of, of those users. Like you, if, for example, if you have complex like uh, um, business models like freemium, for example, you have a mix of like free users and paying users, different uh, tiers, like and it gets all mixed up. It's hard to sort that way. Um, so one thing that I did was bringing all this data together on a dashboard, um, on a spreadsheet, and having, okay, this is my, these are my tickets, the number of tickets that I have uh, where users ask product information. Then what I did is like with the help of a little bit of JavaScript, I was able to calculate the path to the contact form. So how many times uh, at single events, users will go to the contact form, find us an automatic suggestion for an article, click on that and not submit a ticket. And I classify those as deflection events. So number of deflection events. Then when, we get, when it came to artificial intelligence, we have very basic answer both, nothing fancy. I use more elaborated like uh, AI systems in the past. It can work for some people, didn't work in my case, but uh, it, it doesn't matter. You have your deflection through uh, your AI, quantify there. And then you have, for example, data like um, how many uh, article suggestions your agents give uh, in tickets. That's a very interesting piece of data. And then you can calculate what's the percentage of those suggestions on the overall volume. And that gives you the percentage of uh, uh, ability to expand deflection on product information tickets specifically. And you have a very complete picture at that point of self-service, one that is much larger than what we started with, with visualization and article votes and, you know, how many times an article mm. was, was visualized and things like that, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I actually, that's really fascinating because I hadn't really thought before about the number of times agents refer in just the text of a response to a document as being a def- potentially a deflected ticket if only I guess if only there was another way to surface that document earlier in that customer journey right but but that's what you're talking about it's like how you start to draw extract some of those insights and make use of them like that right um so let's talk about the final part of this journey then which is with all of this data what conversations do you have right so then it comes to the fact um, it comes to the part where you have your data together, you have your performance data sorted, your internal data is okay, um, but you want to bring out messages. You want the data to be accessible. So then there are some technical issues there. You talk with your data demons, like how do we export it? In what format do we export it? What it communicates with? You have an internal data layer, so understanding. You want to preserve all this work that you, that you did, all this customization is filtering. And then at the same time, you want to, this data to be accessible. So um, there's a number of things, like you want, for example, ticket IDs and user IDs to be um, accessible to your customer success team so they can match it with their own tools. So exporting their raw data 
um, that it's a part in understanding how to do it with your with your with your data science team. Um, there are a few approaches that you can have. You can you know if you have the possibility of an engineers to write scripts for that and do it in uh, you know uh, with like more structured format CSV or uh, or just general like XML export or JSON files like that you know depending on how much they can work with it. Um, and then there is some uh, some like more product related data that can be useful. So you have all the the customer feedback, and you have all the you can break down the feedback by features, by different products, and and depending on the on the company, and centralize that data with you know all the other departments. So then it becomes very powerful because if your findings are confirmed by other departments, then your voice is much louder. Mm, it's amplified. And actually, what you're talking about then is not really, it's much more sophisticated, isn't it, than just putting your graphs on a slide deck once a month for a, for a town hall or whatever. It's, it's about keeping that data accessible, but live effectively or semi-live, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So understand you have your source uh, and you know there are certain features of where it's a lot, very common, all supporting, uh, or there's a certain negative sentiment about a change. Um, you bring that in, for example, through, I don't know, um, a Xavier connection into uh, an endpoint uh, that is, you want a tool that is shared by most most teams. So whatever that tool might be, I don't know, Confluence, Notion, um, you know, Notion is very difficult to customize, but, mm. you know, Spreadsheet or Airtable, whatever that is, where you have your product team, your marketing team, your sales team somewhere. You know, it has to be a common tool to to have more visibility, and then you you sort of like narrow it down by uh, let's say what you think are the priorities, the ten most important things, the twenty most important things, to because a lot of data is very difficult to to digest. You know, let's say you have a, a large volume of tickets. If you bring I don't know three thousand conversations. Or you try to break them down. It's that unstructured data we talked about in the beginning. Very difficult to figure out what's going on there. Mm. That's what once again categorization very important there. Um, but once you let's say we got you got that down, then if you can match the customer sentiment and the feature request with what is says by other teams, or you can bring a different point of view. Either way, it's a different type of conversation than being an isolated voice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so the, this kind of dashboard building relies on you having the right tooling, um, e- even if it's fairly, fairly rudimentary. Um, and I, I don't, um, I, you know, I mean, it can sort of be a, a bunch of Google Sheets and a bit of automation, can't it? Absolutely. If, if you if you've got the budget, you can go for a more sophisticated tool. Dare I say something like Snowplow, which is my where I happen to uh, have have staked my claim for as a support lead at the moment. Um, so you can get pretty sophisticated about this, and you can draw data from almost as many data sources as there are available that you can hook, hook into with yeah. with any of those tools that 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 uh, 
you know, you have access to, you have budget for, you have capability to use, right? Um, and, and then once you have that data, it becomes a real, uh, and you have that tooling, it becomes a really collaborative exercise, I suppose. This, this is not a dashboard that you as a support lead are just going to build. Yeah, exactly. It becomes like a collaborative effort, and then that's where you really give a voice to your team and to your customers, ultimately. Because in that case, we're talking about feature requests. So something that might be overlooked, like you're making sure that it's uh, that, that voice is uh, is heard, that that that, that feature is that feature request is seen. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. How much once you have that kind of visibility um, to everyone in the organization, how much conversation do you still need to have around that data, or, or can people? Do you rely on people pretty much to self-discover? <laughs> <laughs> the the things that you have, have put the effort into surfacing there. So so do you rely on a product team to go to the same dashboard that you've carefully crafted and make the same make the decisions you hope they would make based on the data that you have worked so hard to present and and collaborate on? I think it's important to clarify the goals together. So before you set up like uh, any sort of you know. Um, mechanism we talked about before with like a, a source and endpoint and an automation in the, in the middle like uh, ask um, what their goal is what their strategy is um, what they um, what the categories are for example and see how you can match yours very important because like your support categories you know the more they match like uh, in the language that other teams speak the better it, your your mm-hmm. message can be understood Mm. Um, so I think this preliminary meetings uh, before, you know, a- investing a lot of time and technical effort in, into building this this uh, dashboards of data being just tabular data or being um, something more visually and compelling, like uh, are necessary. And then, you know, um, looking for the collaboration of your team, of course, because, uh, you know, you're going to rely on them on understanding their business priorities in order to tag correctly. And so the tagging for the team is not just an afterthought. It's like, you know, I'm trying to to get uh, to do my, my job as, as fast and efficiently as they can. And like tag is sort of like a hurdle that is in, in, the, in the middle of this. Yeah, absolutely. You, you might as well simplify it for yourself as much as you can at the start by, by aligning as much as you can. Otherwise, you're going to have battles of alignment further down that actually involve battling the data rather than just the concepts yeah so yeah the alignment is, is fundamental for you do not like never expect anyone never assume anything or expect anyone to know what you know or, or, or what is apparent to you yeah yeah absolutely um i think this has been a wonderful chat i i think um We've talked about data on and off in various conversations, recorded and not, um, over the last two, three years, maybe. Um, But um, one thing that I would like, if if I'm going to put you on the spot now, just to close out this conversation, is do you have a favorite story around data that you can share? Uh, Maybe a, a big data success as a support lead. I appreciate. I appreciate. I have put you on the spot there. <laughs> yes. Well, because there are there are a few, um, but I'm I'm trying to think of like um, something significant. Yeah. Well, I I'll put something simple 
uh, and, uh, and let's say, uh, underlines collaboration and, and empathy among, uh, among teams. So um, one of um, uh, my teammates in the, in, in the tier two uh, team that, uh, uh, you know, that I help with the, like structure the data among other things um, and make their strategy. Uh, came to me with like a request from a product manager to help uh, help this person with uh, an OKR that they have in order to understand a certain percentage uh, in, in order to guarantee a certain percentage of bugs submitted by our team to be solved. So how do we help this person measure that? Right. And so at this, we're talking about two different tools. Uh, and so there I'm starting to think, okay, how do I put this tool and this tool, how do I connect them? So you start thinking ABI tokens, uh, like uh, permissions, and maybe I need to uh, get somebody else to help me out with this. How do I do it? I have this piece of, piece of data there, but not this. And I have this piece of data there, but not that. Uh, so thinking a lot, how do I put them in, in, how do I put them in touch? And then the most effective thing in the end is the, the simplest thing was like using charts on the Google spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. This is something I mentioned actually at the beginning of this conversation. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, I had the names of the projects that this person was working at. I had the bugs, and for each bug, I had tickets that were, um, you know, they were associated with each bug. So we could see the number of bugs submitted by uh, project. We we see um, because of the way that we set up the data with the team. Um, when a bug is resolved, we mark it as solved as part of like the data, the tabular data that we have on this on the spreadsheet, right? So we get all these columns, we feed this into a chart, and we split this by month. When we have to see the the quarter, well, the you know the the end, let's say the the actual like OKR to see what is the if the key results was successful, we just grab three months of data, we align them on a column. We feed into a chart, and we have that data. It was as simple as that, and That's we can simple. see what what the percentage of like uh, you know solved um, bug by uh, uh, by project management category mm-hmm. uh, was. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I think that um, it's it doesn't always have to be uh, automations and and uh, you know data data teams necessarily does it because frankly you know you're lucky if you've got those tools available and if you have you should really utilize them but but sometimes all you've got is a google sheet and and two tools that don't talk to each other and if you're willing to put the time in and the effort you can you can do some quite some quite amazing things just in a single chart even right you have that that uh, you know uh, the golden circle of like good process and the good data, you put them together, you have a simple solution. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a, a wonderful parting sentiment. I, I I don't think you can top that as a closing remark, Simone. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to take this opportunity to say thank you for joining me today. Um, it's been wonderful to hear your data, your data insights. Um, and uh, thanks again. I look forward to you popping up on the podcast again in the future, which I'm very sure you will. But for now, thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. Always a pleasure. 
that's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 104 for the show notes and I'll see you next time. 